Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. What Haunts Us tells a story about a 1997 class of Porter God High School in Charleston, South Carolina, that has graduated 49 boys. Within the last 35 years, six of those boys committed suicide. And it is this is what the story is. It's the story is about a lot. Okay, let's let's be. What haunts us is about something that's in the headlines today. We we're we're all hearing more and more about. Sex crimes, sexual abuse, sexual molestation, all sorts of things, and this film could not be more timely. And we're fortunate to have with us the the director of the film, that would be Paige Goldberg Tolmach, and it also was produced by Frank Marshall and Matt Tolmach. I have a feeling they're related to somehow, <laughs> some way. To uh, Paige, welcome to film school. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. I, I did a terrible job of introducing your film, and I want so I'm going to leave. <laughs> I'm going to leave it to you to sort of give us kind of the backstory behind what haunts us. I think you did a really great job, <laughs> well, first <yeah>. off. And, <laughs> but I'll clean it up for you a little there bit. There you go. Um, actually, it's about um, my, my movie is about the sexual abuse of many boys in my high school growing up, and the cover up of that abuse by my school and. When I started doing research on this film, what I realized was that the class of 1979, in fact, which was much older than I, than I, older than I am, um, the class of 79 had six boys who had committed suicide out of a group of 49. I'm sorry. Okay, got that wrong. Okay. But yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so this, but you were obviously there was so much going on uh, within your class, and what is surprising on one hand, but not surprising on the other hand, is the sort of in the the feel, the senses that I have from watching the movie, and I know this is true for uh, throughout sort of the, a lot of sexual abuse, sexual molestation cases. A lot of people knew, so but I don't want to jump too far ahead. So tell me what sort of got you going in terms. Of, was it the suicides? What was it that made you say I I have to document what happened, and yeah. and we have to we have to make this story known to the world. Yeah, well, the, the truth is it wasn't a suicide, which is part of what's so sad about the whole thing. It's so, that's something that I actually hadn't noticed, and I don't think a lot of people had, which is heartbreaking now that I actually say it. But what got me started was that I, am a, I became a mom in 2006. My son was born, and um, I sort of, as we do as parents, the world started looking like a really different place to me. And this horrible thing had happened at my school when I was there, the uh, the the uh, the perpetrator was actually a teacher and a coach in my school um, in the 80s. And he was there in the 70s and 80s. But it did not come to attention until the late 90s. So 97 is really when a kid from my school went to authorities and said, Eddie Fisher, our beloved coach and teacher, had molested him for years and years and years. It became a big um, court trial. It, um, you know, he went to prison, Eddie Fisher. The school was sued. And then it kind of just went away. And we didn't talk about it anymore as a community. We didn't talk about it amongst ourselves. We kind of didn't want to. And what was happening while we weren't looking was that boys were committing suicide, who had grown into men, and more people were getting deeper in pain and horrible things were happening. Um, Our friends were becoming alcoholics and drug addicts, and we just weren't paying attention. And then when I became a parent, 
the world looked real, like I said, the world was really different to me. And I, I started to realize that I didn't really know how to protect my child from predators because I had never learned anything from what happened at my school because we didn't talk about it. And one day I was home, I live in Los Angeles, and I was there, and my son was little, he was maybe five, and he was in the backyard, and my husband was coming home from work. And I said, I'm going to make dinner and, like, turn on the news really fast. And on CNN, I looked, and there was Jerry Sandusky. And he looked a lot like Eddie Fisher to me. And I remember that moment so clearly. I I just sat there staring at the television with, like, this fear filling my body. And I thought, oh, my God, I I have someone I actually have to protect right now. I'm in charge of someone else's life, and I don't know how to do it. So I better figure it out. And, you know... As a parent, they teach you so many things. I mean, you know, we know which car seats to use, and we know which, you know, how to lie them in the bed so that they are, they're safe when they sleep, and, you know, <clears throat> what diapers. To, we know we learn all these things, mm-hmm. but no one ever talks to us about this. So I kind of made it my, my duty to figure out how to protect my child. And when I started that journey, I thought, wow, I kind of need to understand what happened at my school in order to understand this now. And um, I took this deep dive that blew my mind, and I discovered things that I just never knew before and i know my community still doesn't know to this day well hopefully with the release of this film the interest that it will generate it it, i would assume it'll generate a lot of interest as a former resident as a as a student at the school all this kind of thing do you have some uh, reasonable expectations about this having an impact on your on your community that you grew up in oh it's already i mean people some people are thrilled beyond that that i would bring this up and sort of help sort of start the healing and talk about it. Many people are very angry at me. You know, how they would say said things to me like, how dare you talk about this? Who do you think you are? It didn't happen to you. Um, why do you think it's okay to bring it up? We worked so hard to put it away. Why bring it out again? Um, so there's a, there's a lot of conflict. Well, what's there's your, what's your I mean, I, I know what my response is from someone to someone who would say that to me, but what, what's your response <laughs> when you when someone says, this is this is ancient history. By the way, I want to just before we get too far. I, I love the, the the opening of the film. The quote from uh, Faulkner. Yep. Tell us the tell us that quote because I think it's so apt. The quote says, um, "The past is never dead. In fact, it's not even past." Yeah. And when you realize that our community is still living in that because people are still dying and people are still in pain, and it's part of who we still are today. So. I thought that the only way to maybe help us move forward might be to shine a light on it and talk about it. And, you know, you ask me, what do I say when people say that to me? Listen, the truth is people are in pain. They have the right to say whatever they want, feel whatever they want. I know why I did this. I know why I made this movie, and I feel really, really secure in that knowledge. Like, I made this movie because I love my child and because I bet that parents out there in the world love their kids too. And we just want to protect our kids. We want to – take care of all of our kids. And the only way to do that is to recognize that this is an issue and uh, and understand it so that we can have power over it. Right. I, I want to talk a lot about the movie because I think there's so much to discuss, but I don't want to give away a lot of the particulars. So I'm going to ask you to be my, my tour guide in that journey. Okay. All right. So, so sort of, I mean, we've given the broad outline. So you, you got into doing these as you're going through the project, as you're going through making this film, you're finding out more and more. Now, obviously, there's an interesting sort of uh, uh, dichotomy between you've got people on screen without any 
any um, editing or – I mean, what am I trying to say? There are some people that are, choose to still stay uh, anonymous, and there are those who have stepped forward to talk about it. Sure. Uh, sort of finding these people. I mean, what was that like for you, you know, to get people to, to talk on screen one way or the <laughs> other? was mm-hmm. And for them, you obviously had to gain their confidence, but what went into that, gaining their confidence? A lot. Is this this film took me, I think, over five years to make, really, and most of that time was spent just sort of gaining the confidence of these people, like making sure they felt comfortable with me, making sure they knew I was doing this for the right reasons. Um, the first, very first person I called was Gary Glover when I decided, he's the main character in my film, yeah. um, when I decided that I wanted to make a film about this, I called Gary and I said, listen, you you might not even remember me from school, I'm younger than Gary is, and you might not know who I am, but um, I think you're a hero. I want you to know that. And um, I want to tell this story. I, I don't want to do it if it's going to hurt you anymore, cause I know, because I know you've been through so much. I'm not, I don't want to hurt you. But if you think it will help you in some way and help the world, maybe you will hold my hand and make this movie with me together. I said, because the truth is, I have a little boy, and I hope he grows up to be like you one day. You are the kind of person that I hope my child is one day. You are someone who stood up for yourself and for others. And there's you know, not a lot of that in this world these days, and we need people like you. So Gary, you know, Gary and I had lots of conversations in person. I'd go home to Charleston and sit with Gary, and we talk over the phone all the time. And then Gary felt comfortable, and he would lead me to a few more people who were willing to talk to me. Um, and some of them weren't. And some of them would say, listen, I, I know a lot about the story. Let me tell you what I know, but I can't be on camera. Uh-huh. And I would say, I respect that. Tell me what you know. I, and I just was, I was on this fact-finding mission, and I just – I learned so much, and I, I spent so much time being – I mean, even to this day, some, randomly now people will call me, you know, who heard about the movie and tell me something else that I didn't know. I mean, it's just kind of extraordinary what, um, what was kept from us, and, and it's just not fair. So I just thought that we should all – we all had the right to know. And, you know, that's such a con- basic thing that you just said. So much of this – so many of these kinds of situations – whether it be sexual molestation, abuse, or it's just not fair. It's just, you know, the world is tough enough. The world is, is a difficult place to navigate already. Even if everything was just peachy keen, had a good job, you know, was in love, this, that, and the other thing, it's still hard. But then when, but then when you run up against things that are just patently, obviously, manifestly wrong and for, and so, and this film goes a long ways towards correcting a wrong many wrongs i should say really um and i would just want to just let our listeners know that we're, we're talking with Paige goldberg talmach and and she is the director of the film what haunts us and you've got frank marshall on board as a producer i yeah. would think i would think that that's going to help uh get the film out there get it distributed do you have a distributor as we speak i don't no we just started screening and we're hoping to figure out what to do with it really soon. Well, consider the power of Film School Radio as 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 the as the uh, engine that will drive all the distributors will come running to you. Oh, please. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. The film school jargon. Yes. Well, I'd like to think yeah. that's going to happen. I, I truly, I, I'm shocked to hear that it actually truly does uh, at this point doesn't, but it will. Let's, let's just, it is going to have it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to just kind of go off script a little bit here and say that people close to me, I know, um, have talked about abuse. And I don't know if this is a generational thing. Are not, but mm-hmm. it seems like people who are older of Eddie Fisher's 
you know, a generation and maybe even a little younger, um, were, I don't know the word, they were reconciled, they were okay with it. I don't know what it is. It was a cultural thing. But I know someone very close to me, a family member, who, who when this subject has come up in the past, has basically say, hey, life's tough, you got to shake it off. It's sort of mm-hmm. that, this, the approach has been, hey, so what? Mm-hmm, yeah. And, and... I don't know if that's an, a, a sentiment that you've encountered, or, or it sounds like you have. But tell me a little bit about your reaction to shake it off, or so what? You know, toughen up that kind of approach to to these things because we do know, we do now know that these things are scars that do not go away on their own. We know that. Right. We know that from right. tons and tons of research and and all kinds of reasons. But tell me what you when you hear people say that or something like that. What, you know, it's interesting. Uh, when I hear that, it makes me feel like that person must be in pain. Yes. Yes. It's interesting. I actually have immediate compassion for the person who says that because anybody who really takes a moment to think about this knows that it's heartbreaking, it's life-altering, and the ripple effects are devastating for everyone around. And um, if you if you reject that, if you turn the other way, there must be a, a reason. You, you must be in pain for whatever reason. Yeah. But um, that's what I think when I hear that. And I'll tell you, it's, that's interesting that you said it that way because I do know that this person has admitted within the last few years that they were abused by a priest. Right. So, I would assume that. And, you know, it's actually interesting because I think the mind does a lot of – this is part of what I've learned. The mind does so many things just to, to let us – to allow us to survive. So, yeah. you know, maybe that's this person's way of coping. It, and that's their coping. And they get their, they have the right to, to do that. Yeah. They have the right to cope in their own way and yeah. try and survive. Because, like you said, life's hard enough. We're all just trying to get through it. So when trauma happens like this, it's that you can just imagine how much more of a pressure that puts on someone's life. And we're all allowed to deal with it the way we want to deal with it. That's, that's our choice. Well, And I can also piggyback on that. I do know this person has been essentially emotionally shut down for most of their life. Yeah, sure. They they sure. never talk about rarely if ever talk about things that matter. So, right, right. And, and so I think there's another kind of byproduct of this and I am sure that's something else you've come across. That's why it's that's why it's it's such an impressive feat on your part to be able to get mm-hmm. to draw people out on this because mm-hmm. it it the, the scar tissue continues to to grow on these people mm-hmm. to the point where the idea of talking about something is at the root cause for so much of this emotional damage that's been done to them for them to talk about it is is truly uh you know a, a testament to your to the the comfort level they they must have felt with you oh that, thank you for saying that i just i just understood that you know this was a painful thing i mean there were while i was making the film there were there were two suicides yeah so you know we kept looking at each other and my producer and i were like who's next right like like how how we got to get this done because who's who's next on the list and you know just it's a very, very painful thing, and I, I have a lot of respect for people who are surviving it and dealing with it and dealing the way, the, however they deal. Um, yeah. and, I, and I'm grateful for the people who wanted to talk to me about it, and I'm, and I'm grateful for, for people even who didn't want to talk to me about it, but were honest about not wanting to talk about it. Right. So right. everyone, you know, again, everyone sort of handles it in their own way. Yeah. The film is What Haunts Us, and the, the director is... Page Goldberg Talmach and uh, and yeah, you're absolutely right, and absolutely more 
more the better. We need more films. We need more filmmakers doing this kind of work. One of the things in the film, again, I'm going to be very careful about this, is yeah. uh, uh, the reaction of the community. And again, I'm just going to tease people with that. Because, okay. Because uh, it, it's it's uh, the I'm, I'm not talking about you. You were talking about sort of individuals, yep. but but this is systemic. Yep. And one there's a there's a scene in a in a David Lynch film. It's the very beginning of one of his films, and it opens with this very idyllic scene of a parade. A, it's probably a Fourth of July parade, and the camera follows you know the 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 usual array of people dressed up in patriotic garb and. And as the as it goes down the street, we come upon a uh, a homeowner who's out watering his lawn, and the film follows all the way up to the homeowner to them watering their lawn. Everything is perfect, and then suddenly the the camera dives down into the lawn, and under the lawn are thousands of insects fighting to the death. It yeah. is kind of crazy, you know, just blood sport sort of scene of just carnage. And I'm sorry to say it in such dr- drastic and, and uh, terms, but I think that's happening a lot in all of these different. This is Porter God, which was considered a very high end high school, right? A very accomplished, uh, well regarded high school, an institution yep. that we should have all the trust in the world in, right? Sure, right. And below the surface was madness. And in, in, I mean, sure, there was a lot of good things, a lot of relationships, a lot of great education opportunities. I'm sure of that. But below that. <laughs> Can I just tell you the weirdest thing in the world? I, I'm not lying. I have. I thought that that was from Blue Velvet. Oh, you're right. Wrong? It is from Blue Velvet. I'm, okay, so, okay. I'm so sorry. So, yes, you're right. Can I tell you something? I literally have forever had that vision in my brain about this. Because I was That's so right. affected by that when I saw it uh, when I was in college, Blue Velvet. Yeah. It, it, it really it made me realize, I think, that I wanted to to work in the film industry, wanted to be a filmmaker. It's really interesting that you say that because I have forever had that image in my brain about going underneath the surface yes. and seeing just the grotesque, you know, below the surface. And I think about that when I think about how beautiful Charleston is, yes. but there's this seedy underbelly in, in like every single town we, uh, everywhere. Yeah. But there's this this ugliness underneath the beauty. Absolutely. And um, and, and we we need to look at it. Yes. Because if we don't, it still exists and it keeps on going. And the only way to have control over it or power over it is to un- uh, is to see it. Yes. To bear witness and to understand it. And I think it's, it's an amazing thing you said that because I truly have had that image in my head the whole time making this film. Well, well, uh, I thank you for correcting me. You're absolutely blue velvet. <laughs> I because it's again like you. That scene has. It is indelibly etched in my brain and is something yep. that I carry forward as a perspective on life that it's just what you said, exactly what you said. I, it's, yep. it's sort of carried through that no matter what you think you're seeing, that's not necessarily what you're actually seeing. No, nope, not at all. We have to remember that. It's what Tony <laughs> says in the, in the movie. Yes. You know, we're, we're too proud to paint, but we're, we're too proud. What do you say? We're too, we're too poor to paint, but too proud to whitewash. Yes, that's I mean, it's right. about the bullshit that you see. Sorry. It's about that's the okay. baloney that you see, yes. um, you know, on the surface. Yep. And what's, but what's really going on Absolutely. in the background, that's what we have to pay attention to. Absolutely. Well, well we are kindred spirits. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Paige. Goldberg, oh, yeah. Tomach, for your for your work and good luck uh, with with uh, what haunts us. I'm sure we'll be seeing it in theaters near us uh, very very soon. So thank you. Oh great, 
Thank you so much. It was a great, great talking to you. Thank All right. You. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.